0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of you here. Man, again, you guys look good every single week. How many feeling good? Feeling good? Hey, I just got to say before we start, how about those longhorns? Uh, Eric, our campus pastor in uh, McKinney, is from Alabama, and he's a huge Crimson Tide fan, and it is sickening. And so, I love you, you know that, but I am so glad you guys lost. All right. Now, that aside, more serious stuff, let's pray for the Cowboys tonight. A little more, little more uh, unity there, I think. Those of you who come from outside of Texas, we love you. We do, but you need to accept the Cowboys in Texas into your heart, all right? After Jesus, that's what it, okay, all right, enough of that stuff, all right. What am I doing? Prosper Campus opens today, right? Grand opening. Man, we love you guys, so excited. We had a great block party last night. I don't know how many people were there, it was just packed. We just had a a great time. And before I, 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 I go to the Prosper, we're gonna go to the Prosper Campus in just a minute, but before I do that, I just gotta say this week as we've had open house and I've talked to different people, even last night, people are saying to me, congratulations. And I totally get it, I totally understand what people are saying, but I, you just gotta know that um, I had very little to do with the Prosper Campus except that I'm the leader here and I'm asking you for money, begging you sometimes. For money so that we can get that. So don't forget that. Uh, even though the building's built, it's not paid for. So we got to keep, you know, after it. But I just want you to know that it is not what I have done. It is not what the staff has done. It is what we have done. McKinney, Frisco West, all of you online, and all of us here at Frisco East, you had a huge part to play in your prayers or in your giving, your serving. And, and so I just got to say that. Now, having said that, one of the persons that is not here at Frisco East today, but she is at the Prosper campus, but Angela Lenz, who is our one of our executive pastors, really from the very beginning spearheaded this endeavor from meeting with architects and every week had a meeting, endured all the headaches and hours and hours of, of those of you who built a building or even a house, you know what that What that entails. And I just got to say thank you to Angela. Can you give it up for Angela Lynch and what she's done for our church over the last 24 years? And then I got to say to Mike Martin, campus pastor at Prosper, you will never find, you're not going to find another man, another person who loves God and loves his people more than Mike Martin. He is an incredible campus pastor. He will serve and serve and give and give, and he has been for months, night and day, at that Prosper campus. So can we get it up for Mike Martin and his team, the staff over there, relentless. Guys, thank you. And so, hey, let's, how many want to see a little bit what's going on over at Prosper real quick? Let's do that. Real, can we do that, guys? Let's, let's run a little bit of video of what we have at the Prosper campus. Thank you. Thank you so much for... Believing in prosper, dreaming prosper, and making prosper happen. To the Frisco East, Frisco West, McKinney, and online campuses, thank you for your prayers, for giving to make this happen. We love you. We're thankful for you. Hey, guys, join me. We're going to turn this way, cheer and clap. Hey, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you guys. Yeah. All right. So cool, so thank you guys for being a part of that and we're just so overjoyed. Um, Now, getting back to what's really important and uh, that's important obviously, but um, the reason we do what we do, let me just say that McKinney, Frisco West, here East, even online, the reason we do what we do is because lost people matter to God. It's not about a building, that's just a tool. This building is awesome, we're so grateful, but it's a tool. God doesn't live here, he lives here in all of us. And so um, the reason we do everything we do is because we really believe people matter to God, all of us who are broken, brokenhearted, families that are broken, uh, singles that are broken, kids, the next generation, that's why we do what we do. And so thank you for making that um, available and prosper now in that surrounding area. We are in week two of a series called Fabric of Faith. And those of you maybe who are not familiar with the Old Testament, there are certain characters that stand out uh, out of the Old Testament that are incredible to read and, and listen to their story. There's many that we could name, and we've done a lot of them, but Joseph is the, he is the subject of the series called Fabric of Faith, but really it's not about Joseph, it's about God's faithfulness. It's not about Joseph's faithfulness necessarily, it's about God's faithfulness. And anytime we do a character study, I, I just want to remind you that we're not looking at Joseph and his life and, and the mistakes that he made or the great things that he did and trying to be like Joseph. We're trying to be like Jesus. But, but a lot of things in the Old Testament, in fact, all, all the things point towards Jesus. And At the, at the end, we're going we're to come back. To, to Jesus. But in this series, last week, Pastor Eric, our McKinney campus pastor, who's from Alabama, uh, started <laughs> this series and he did an awesome job, man. Every time he speaks, he does great. And all our campus pastors do. But last, last week, he talked about two primary things. He talked about your coat does not determine your calling. In other words, your identity is not wrapped up in your money, your prestige, your job, your family, what you drive, what you, what you live in. Your, your identity is in Christ. It's not on the coat that you wear, it's in in Christ. And the second thing is that Joseph chose his responses rather than reacting to a circumstance. And and we're gonna rehearse that just a little bit about what Joseph went through. And today, I wanna talk and further the story and talk about Potiphar and prison. Uh, Why bad things happen or when bad things happen to good people. Now, last week, a few things that I watched the message twice, and, and a few things that we learned about Joseph. First of all, Joseph was 17 years old, and he was young and a little dumb. How many remember when you were 17? How many did some dumb things? How many are 50 and you still do dumb things? Everybody should raise their hand. Well, not everybody, but whatever age you are. Yeah, so Joseph um, rehearsed just a little bit. He was... Uh, Jacob's favorite son and there were many sons in the family and he was just one of those kind of spoiled guys that got everything and that he was the favored one and and it was very obvious in the family and and so he 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 carried that in a, in a bad way and and we learned last week that bad things happen or can happen to dumb people right we know that, bad things can happen to dumb people. If you, make, if you do dumb things, there, there's gonna be a consequence. There's some crazy videos out you know, of people you know, doing crazy things on a skateboard or, or loading a motorcycle in the back of a truck and it all flips, it's just funny to watch those things. Dumb things, or dumb people can do dumb things and, and there's some consequences to that. And that's what we learned last week. Joseph, now his consequences did not match his violation. Joseph was a spoiled young brat, but he didn't deserve to be thrown in a pit or then sold to traitors going to Egypt. He didn't deserve that, but that's what he got. He, he did a few dumb things, and how many know? Sometimes you just do a little dumb thing, and it really, really affects your life in a big way, and that's where Joseph, we found Joseph, and that sounds a little harsh uh, about Joseph, but but. It is what it is. We're just reading his story and and there were a few things that he did that that set his brothers off and his brothers, you know, not in the right place, doing uh, dumb things themselves that wanted to kill him, um, but decided, hey, we probably shouldn't do that, but let's just sell them. And so that's what we learned about last week. Now today, I I just want to talk about uh, in a few ways that bad things happen to good people. And this is a little harder to take. When bad things happen, this is an age-old question in the faith. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Or when I say good people, people who didn't deserve that. People who didn't do anything to deserve that. It's one thing to talk about somebody who has deserved or who deserves the consequences. It's another to talk about maybe your situation that you did not ask for. Somebody made a decision that violated you, abused you, wronged you, and you find yourself now living in the consequences of somebody else's decisions. And and when that happens, um, it's, it's harder to talk about this subject when you have experienced or you are experiencing right now in this very moment Whoever you are, whatever campus you are on, or, or maybe watching online or here at East, you're living it right now. And it's not fair. You're angry, you're bitter, and maybe you're not even angry or bitter, but you are hurt. And me talking about this seems um, you know, the things that I'm going to say seems easier said than done, and they are easier said than done. But what we're going to learn from Joseph's story as it points to Jesus, is that there are some things that we can do that, that help us along the way even when we have been unjustly treated. And that's my prayer for you today, that you would be encouraged not, not a, you know, a magnifying glass put on your circumstance. Not, not that your bad things that are happening in your life would be just like, oh okay, let's, let's open that wound again. My prayer is that if you are struggling because bad things have happened to you that you didn't really deserve, that you would open your heart for God's healing. It's a choice that we make. Revenge is mine, says the Lord. We don't have to get back. We're going to learn that from Joseph's life. So when we dive in here, um, I just want you to know that God sees you. Whoever you are and whatever's happened to you, God has not forgotten. He's not forgotten what happened to you and he's not forgotten what those people did or that person did. As evil as that might have been, he has not forgotten. You are seen today, not just by me, you are seen today by God who loves you and we're gonna see that in Joseph's story. Let's pick it up where Joseph has been thrown into the pit, his brothers put him there, and then then they decided, oh, let's take him out of the pit and let's sell him to some traders uh, that are going to Egypt and they buy and sell things and and they would sell Joseph into a home where the palace guard is the uh, household leader. His name is Potiphar. Let's read Genesis chapter 39. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. So uh, Joseph was sold to this house. Potiphar was the palace guard. He was the leader of the palace as as, as it relates to, to the guards. And he's in this home, and he has had great favor with Potiphar. They work great. uh, I'm sorry, Joseph is so smart, so sharp. But his wife takes a liking to him. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. And how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants, Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into this house tried to come in and fool around with me she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Okay, so let's get, let's let's rehearse, just one more, back up, and let's let's talk about Joseph's story real quick. You ready? Joseph is Jacob's favorite son. Wasn't his fault, that's just the way it was. Um, He was the favorite. He was spoiled and he was a narc. Okay, you know what a narc is? Everybody know? I don't know, you young people probably don't know what a narc is, that's a tattletale. All right, you don't wanna be a narc. All right, but that's what he was, all right. He was, he, he had some dreams though about his family bowing down to him and he had the lack of wisdom to tell his family, hey, this cool dream, you guys are gonna serve me, you guys are gonna worship me or whatever. So he gets thrown into a pit and sold to traitors. He gets bought by Potiphar. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him and he gets thrown into prison. Now, how many think that's unfair? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been accused of something that you didn't do, It's, it's, it's disheartening. And Joseph finds himself in prison. The story goes on. He is elevated in prison because Joseph is a very sharp young man. Very intelligent, so he is put in charge of the prison. Let's read on in Genesis chapter 39 verse 22. Before long the warden put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no worries, no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in the prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they, were both, they both looked upset. He's like, hey, why do you look so worried today? He asked them, and they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represents three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And please, remember me when and do me a favor when things go well for you mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place for I was kidnapped from my homeland the land of the Hebrews and now I'm here in prison but I did nothing to deserve it when the chief baker saw that Joseph so that that was the cupbearer. now this is the baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation he said to Joseph I had a dream too In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh. But the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. Well, this is what the dream means. Get ready. Joseph told him three baskets also represents three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials three days later. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. I need one of those. How many need one of those? You know, when you just rattle your ice and you need—okay. But Pharaoh impelled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his his dreams— or his dream. Pharaoh's cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So he's mistreated by his brothers. Right? He's falsely accused by the boss's wife, and he's forgotten by Pharaoh's staff members. It's not like, hey, I, you didn't, you know, recommend me for a promotion. No, he's in prison for years. And here's what we know, bad things happen to dumb people. But how many know this, bad things happen to good people, too? And Joseph is a prime example and so many of us are prime examples that bad things can happen to dumb things that we do and bad things can happen to people who didn't deserve it. So what do we learn from Joseph's story? Going back to the the time of Potiphar and up to the, the prison, and then we're gonna even dive into this, the, the passage even more And when Joseph gets out of prison. But what do we learn from this story? The first thing that I learn when I look at this is doing the right thing is not always rewarded. Instantly. Genesis chapter 39 again, verse eight and nine, it says, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master, trust me. So he's doing the right thing. I mean, she's advancing, 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 and he's going, no, this this would be a wicked thing. This would be the wrong thing. He has entrusted me. How could I do such a wicked thing? Have you ever done the right thing and it was misunderstood? Have you ever done the right thing and it backfired and you got in trouble for it? It's an unthinkable, when you really think about it, and, and Joseph, it's an unthinkable thing, injustice, for Joseph to... Endure. And when those kinds of things happen, many of us, not all of us, but many of us say things or ask questions like, what is going on, God? You ever ask God that question? Maybe in in today's language you would say, you look up to the heavens and you go, really? You know, you're you're just like, "I, I don't understand. Why are you letting this happen? Do you even care about what happens to me? Are you there? Even Jesus asked some of these questions. Why have you forsaken me? There are times in which things happen when you actually, or we actually do the right thing and those are the times we just go, I can't believe this. It's like I can't catch a break. It's like one thing after another. Nobody's perfect, but I didn't deserve this. I, I, I didn't do anything to receive this kind of circumstance. Galatians Paul says it like this, and I want us to, to really, and I know these are, hard, these are easier said than done. I know this. But he says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. In other words, there will be justice. God does not forget. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will, have, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Many of us just like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm done, I'm just gonna do what everybody else does. I'm just gonna react or respond the way everybody else does. I'm just gonna turn to other things rather than God because God's not there and think of Joseph's life when he's in the pit thinking that I'm gonna die in the pit. I'm gonna die here alone of hunger or some snake that gets into the hole with me, or whatever. I'm gonna die, and then he's lifted out of that, sold into slavery, and then he's falsely accused, and I'm, I'm, if I'm Joseph, I might be thinking, God, okay, um, I'm a little, I was a little young, and a little dumb, but I don't deserve this. Let's not get tired of doing the right thing. Sometimes doing the right thing is not rewarded Instantly. But if you fast forward to Joseph's story, it's an unbelievable ending. Doing the right thing is always the right thing. The great theologian Mark Twain said it like this, it's never wrong to do the right thing. Now, again, I just wanna, I wanna say this. I know this is easy for me to, to you know, teach up here and just say, well, you know, you don't know what's happened to me. And I know, I don't. I've never walked in your shoes. I don't presume to have mastered any of what we're talking about. What I am saying is when we look back and we look at a, a life that is broken much like ours in many ways maybe not the same story but but we have all we could just, if you could sit on a stool up here you could you could share story after story maybe in your life that has not gone well and you didn't ask for it you didn't deserve it bad things happen to good people and when you do the right thing it's not always rewarded instantly but number 2 when i look at the story is Joseph doesn't forfeit his faith just because bad things happen to him. Now this is important. Joseph didn't forfeit, he didn't throw up his hand in his heart and just say, you know what, I'm done. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get another little idol here I'm gonna worship that. I'm gonna get Baal and I'm gonna worship that or what, who, Egyptian God, I'm just gonna go that way because this ain't doing nothing for me. You know, I don't know if you know the story of Job. Job in the Bible, it's a a book right before Psalms, and it's a a horrible book (laughs) as far as the story goes. If you've read it, you know the story. It's it's terrible. First chapter, Job loses everything. He's a very wealthy man. He loses his family. He loses his money. He loses his cattle and all, all the stuff, his house. He loses everything. And it's a very difficult time in his life. And then he becomes sick, boils all over his body and so forth. In chapter two, here's the the big idea of Joseph's, I mean, of of Job's life. And he says, his wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. You gotta watch women. (laughs) And before you send me an email, That's two times today that this woman is crazy. (laughs) Be careful. You, You know I'm kidding. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. I mean, be done with this. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the Lord or the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Now, how many of us can say that? In the middle of our mess, in the middle of our circumstances, how many of us can say, I never said another, I never said a bad word, never, never questioned God, it was just, and Job does question God, it's not that, it's just when he is faced with the circumstances that he's been dealt, and if you know the backstory, it's just, it's like a crazy story, but he just said, you know what, I'm gonna trust God. And so many times, listen, so many times we distance ourselves from God when things like cancer or divorce or tragedy, injustice or abuse happen in our lives. When these, not all of us, but when these things occur or are happen to us, we have two choices. We can get bitter, or we can get better. And I know that when I haven't experienced cancer, it's one thing for me to tell you, which just have a good attitude. Hey, you know, whether you live or die, it's, 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 you know, it's all for Jesus. Well, when I don't have cancer, it's easy for me to say that. Or when I've not been divorced and wronged and, and, and violated and, and betrayed or whatever, or when a tragedy, it's easy for me to say, well, you know, just trust God. Well, when when it happens to me, or you, or injustice, or when it happens to you, it is, listen, this is not easy stuff. It is not easy. And so many times what happens in the middle of, and we could have filled the TV with all kinds of other words. I'm not saying any of this is easy, but when Joseph endures some of this stuff and, and put in prison for years, He didn't forfeit his faith. He does not just give up and just say, well, whatever. What I love about Joseph's story is that even though he was a little unwise and, and spoiled, and then when people lied about him, mistreated him, put him in prison, neglected him, forgot about him, he keeps his faith. He keeps his faith. Number three, number three, God was working even in the middle of the mess. A lot like what Eric, his, one of his big ideas last week was, was kind of this thing that even though Joseph was mistreated by his brothers and thrown in a pit and his soul, God was still with him. And he's work. God, listen, God is working in the mess even when we can't see it. So, so when Joseph gets sold, and, and he's bought by Potiphar's home. Listen to the scripture, Genesis 39, verse one. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. Even when he is sold to be a servant. Verse 21, now he's in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. Let's fast forward. Joseph gets out of prison because he interprets one of Pharaoh's dreams, the cupbearer and the, the baker. And now Pharaoh has a dream and then all of a sudden they remember, oh, wait a minute, there's this Hebrew guy in prison. He Okay, let's get him up here. Joseph is is right in front of Pharaoh, interpreting his dream. It's an unbelievable story. Go back and read it. Chapter 41 says it like this. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, Clearly, no one since, and so, so again, listen to this. Pharaoh is not a God fearing Jehovah God, Israelite God. He doesn't, he's not a God fearing person. But he, but, he, but he understands that Joseph, man, there's something different about him. Clearly, no one else has the intelligence or they're as wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a higher rank than yours. Everybody look at me. For years, Joseph was mistreated, abused, neglected, forgotten, lied about, falsely accused. And he spent his time in prison. And many of us are in prison right now because of what somebody else has done because of what somebody else did to us as a kid. And it's not fair, and it's not easy. It's very complicated, it's very messy. But don't think for one second that God is not right in the mess with you. When he goes to prison, when he he goes to Potiphar's home, it says the Lord was with him. And when he gets into prison, he says the Lord was with him. When he gets into the palace, Pharaoh acknowledges this guy is from God. The spirit of God is in him. Guys, whatever your story is, can I just tell you it's not finished? God's still writing And when it feels like he is a million miles away and you're enduring this circumstance which is unthinkable, it is not fair, and it is not right, and it is crazy, and it's years of, where are you, God? Are you hearing me? What is going on? But there is a, listen, there was a faithfulness about Joseph. He didn't forfeit his faith just because He wasn't rewarded for doing the right thing in Potiphar's house. He didn't forfeit his faith just because the cupbearer forgot him. He didn't forfeit his faith because of all the circumstances with his brothers and his family. And there was something. There was something that he, he just knew. God is with me. I just don't want you to give up. If you're here today and your story is a mess, it's, it's just not, and maybe some of you are not in that place right now, and I'm glad. But how many know, it, it, one decision tomorrow could put us in a mess? Whether it's financial mess, whether it's relational mess, whether it's emotional, mental mess, whether it's our job-related, whatever, I mean, it, we could lose everything in one minute. And I just want you to know that God in the middle of that mess is with you. When you feel like you're in prison alone, and you feel like you've been forgotten by your family, by your friends, and by God, He is still writing your story. He is with you. Now, Joseph points us to Jesus. Because if you know the story of Jesus who was falsely accused, betrayed by one of his own disciples, abused till he was almost unrecognizable, but he was faithful. And he endured that cross and he shed his blood so that you and I could have a story. So that you and I would not just have life abundant here on earth. Even in a mess and in, in a circumstances that they are crazy. When, when, you, when, you, when we surrender our lives to the Lord, there is a peace that passes understanding. There's a joy unspeakable that's full of glory. There, there's something about Even in the middle of our mess that Joseph had, there's something that happens. And it's only because Jesus makes it available to us that we could receive forgiveness, peace, joy, love. So today, I want you to grab the communion packet that you received when you came in. If you're new, these are, you almost have to pray about it to open it. there is a top part that is a wafer and if you have not been served our ushers are gonna be around all of our campuses would you would just raise your hand raise your hand real high and keep it up until they they serve you listen you don't have to be a member of hope to take communion with us if you love the Lord you are more than welcome to the table and maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus. I want you to listen to me. You've, you've never given Jesus your life. Maybe you, you've been away from him for a very long time and you've lived your life and it's been a mess. And today you find yourself at the Prosper Campus or you find yourself online or maybe at one of our campuses and, and your life is just, it, it, it's like Joseph. It's a mess, but you deserved it. You did some dumb things. Maybe you didn't. You've been blaming God, you've been bitter. But today, I'm just, I'm just hoping that you allow the Lord to do what only He can do. You can go after the people or the person that messed you up or you can let God do that. Right. And then you can just receive the healing that only He can bring. We can try to heal ourselves for years, He can do it in one moment. So when we take the bread and the cup, the bread symbolizes the body of our Lord. He came and lived the life that you and I couldn't live, sinless. The cup represents his blood. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. When you eat the bread and drink the cup in just a minute, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to just say a breath as I'm, I'm gonna pray for the bread and the cup, but just under your breath, just say, Lord, I'm a mess. Or maybe you're not a mess. Maybe you just recognize, you know what? I, I don't have that peace. I don't have that love. I don't have that joy that we're talking about. Surrender. As we eat the bread and drink the cup, surrender your life to him. If you're a believer and your life is a mess, and you've lived in a prison because of whatever has happened to you, I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying if you can make a decision today as you eat the bread and drink the cup that you want, Lord, I'm gonna try to release this. I'm not, I don't wanna be in prison anymore. I want you to deliver me. I want you to heal me. He's the only one who can. He is the only one who can. Lord, I pray for my friends, wherever they may be that are living in a prison and have been for a very long time. Some of them love you dearly. They have not left you. They have not forfeited their faith. It's just hard because they live with the memories. They live with the nightmares. God, would you bring healing? Would you bring hope? Would you bring a light at the end of the tunnel? Would you bring a peace that passes understanding? Would you bring a love that is patient and kind, always faithful? We eat this bread and we drink this cup, some of us repenting of our sins, accepting what you've, do, what you've done on the cross, and living our lives for you, and some of us eat this bread and drink this cup, remembering what you've done for us as believers. And some of us drink this bread and this cup because we need healing that only you can bring. So everybody with me, would you take the bread in your hand? Would you eat that right now? Take the cup and let's drink together. Father, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in our lives as we surrender, as we take a step toward you in whatever way that is today. May we be encouraged today that no matter what we're going through, you're with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.